What's up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama's Day with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the Mommy Collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Yes, welcome back to Mama's Day with Tanika Ray. I'm really encouraged by this mom that's stepping to the mic this week. I had seen her on Instagram with this book title. She wrote a book a couple years ago called Mom AF. Mom AF. It was like the first time I'd ever heard of the term AF. Of course, now I talk about Mama Stay as mom's mommying AF while bossing like a queen. So I'm very familiar with it, but I had to go back to source when I thought about doing this podcast. She's one of the first people that I called up. And during Women's Month in March feels like the perfect time to share her with you guys. Christine Michelle Carter, she's the mom of two kids. She has a very amicable relationship with her ex, the father of her two kids. And I love how she says, I love him just because we didn't work out. Doesn't mean I have to hate him. Moving forward, she has so many beautiful things that she shared about what she lost when she became a mom, what she had to leave unapologetically, and what she took in order to find her greatest self. This is Mom AF. Welcome to the Mama Stay Mic. How are you? So good. So good. So happy to be talking to you. Me You're too. like my everything, my idol. I love it so much. I love that you sent me your book. I love that you reached out to me because I'm starting to understand that especially in my mommy sort of side of my life, that I don't have that many mothers that are in my vicinity. And I started to really depend on energy wise. I really like that mom there. I feel her. I understand. Ooh, yes. And she's like conscious and loving and, and breaking generational curses. And I have such an incredible bond with you moms, whether I know you or not. I know. Isn't it wild? It's, you know what it is? It's really because we are all, even prior to the pandemic, motherhood was one of those things where you felt like you had to do it perfectly and didn't want to tell others that you didn't know what you were doing. So it was isolating even before we were isolated physically. So it's like, once you see somebody on social media that you can connect to, it is just a great feeling. It really is. And I love that you said that. You've put a lot of thought into this. You wrote a book called Mom AF. 
<laughs> I mean, it's like one of my favorite things. I say mommying AF because it's it's like it's action. Like we're, we're constantly in a state of mommying AF. I love the title. I think it's so brilliant. So tell me what life was like pre-baby and how you came into your mom AF power zone. Oh my goodness. So life pre-baby was just me and my husband and we had been together for years and we had no responsibilities. It wasn't like we had pets. I mean, we had jobs and we were really ambitious. And we said that no matter what, we would remain ambitious, even if we had a family. And then I got pregnant and ended up, I was telling this to Boz when I was on her podcast, we both ended up having preeclampsia and delivering at 31 weeks, which is wild. So I did that with Maya. And I remember the, I didn't want to see her because I was so terrified that I was going to attach to her. And then she, I was going to lose her because she was two pounds. And I just feel like God manifests himself in people when you need him to. And my aunt came into the hospital room and she was like, go see the baby. So I went up to the NICU and I saw her and she was screaming like her screams took the the charts off the record and her breathing was everybody else's screams. And that's still Maya. And I held her and then it was like, I'm a mother, like everything. It was just like that, like overnight. I don't even remember that much what life was like before being a mother. And I feel like I mother everybody in my life. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. There is this sort of like coming through the fog because all of us are scared, itless. Okay. Right. Right. No matter how many books we're like, but it's me doing it. Right. What is it? What is this? And we come through the fog and whether it be when they come out of us or they're taken out of us or when it's like eye to eye for the first time where you're like, oh, right. That's what it's just you too. Right. It's like, oh, this is real. Exactly. Girl, I had to pay for golden hour is what they called it here. What's that? So typically when you have a child in the hospital, and I'll ask you about that in a second, did you choose doula or natural birth? But um, my parents were very, as they often are in my life, like you're going to do this, but I don't want to do it like that. I want to do it. I want to have a doula and I want to have, you know, women around are like, no, you're not. And so I succumbed and was in the hospital and you had to pay extra for golden hour. What golden hour was is after the baby comes out, after they check her vitals, they leave her with you or him with you by yourself in the room. And you had to pay extra for that. Yes, ma'am. Because it's a you know man's world, they don't think of duh. Of course, that's important for every mother. How it's scary. very critical for the baby. How gross that that's a privilege. Yes. Oh, oh my god. Because if not, they take your baby and take them on, and you know take care of them and suck out their lungs, all that stuff. But you don't get that moment where it's just the two of you oh until god. the next day, typically. Yeah. So it was like a full like two hours. We were both stripped of clothing and it was just us. And I remember crying going, holy shit, there's no place else to go. Like, I guess I'm a mom. Right. This is who I am. This is who I am. And do you remember what you had to say goodbye to? I do. And 
I had to say goodbye first to parts of my mental health, being secure in my mental health. And I really wish that 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 was more widely discussed when I had Maya 10 years ago. I remember when I brought her home, I was very nervous because she was only two pounds. And then the time that she was in the NICU for the four weeks, I was very nervous and anxious. And I got some books about anxiety. And I remember my mother seeing my books on my nightstand. And she just looked at me and kind of just gave me this look as if I know what you're going through but we never discussed it. And to this day, we've never discussed it, but I am really glad that now new moms, they are very big about discussing postpartum depression and anxiety because I didn't realize that that's what I was going through. I had no idea me freaking out about everything going on was that. So I had to let go of that. And then when I gave birth to Wes, my blood pressure shot up to 230 the minute they took him out of my body. He couldn't figure out what was going on neurologically, brought in a neurologist. He told me a woman of my age shouldn't be having kids. I was 29. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're so offensive in so many ways when it comes to women, to black women, women of color. That's what I had to realize. Honey, I'm I so had to sorry. give up the idea that I was equal to white women in the eyes of the medical industry because I'm not. And I realized that I had to advocate for myself, which I never thought I was going to have to do. And just comments like that, that I was too old to be having kids at 29 and not really understanding what I was going through. That doesn't make any sense. 29. Did you? I hope you told him to go F himself. My, uh, my, so my gynecologist did, he was like, don't listen to him because he's, he was multicultural too. He was like, don't listen to him. That's not true. You can t- continue having kids because obviously I just given birth. So I was bawling crying when he said that. I mean, for the fact that he said it to you literally in the most vulnerable place that a woman could be in, right? what do they say? When we give birth, we die a little bit for a second. We die. <laughs> and then we, I believe we, it. We push these babies out. How I would have slapped the living shit out. (laughs) How dare you? But I'm I'm that, I'm that person because I didn't have my baby in my twenties. I, I don't know if I'm willing, I don't know if I'm ready, like maturely. I don't know if I'm mature enough to say how old I was because I can be really childish sometimes, but I was a a full ass woman. I was a full grown woman. They wanted to attach geriatric prep. Oh my God. When they said not once, not twice, but multiple times in every single appointment I was at, that it was a geriatric pregnancy. I was like, how dare you back up, buddy. It's so disrespectful. It is. And how they just try to throw fear on you. Well, it could be this, it could be that. And I kept advocating for myself because I'm a natural born rebel. I don't give a damn what you have to say about me. I'm living this existence. The only thing that that matters is my instincts and my connection to God. So thank you for your opinion. Right. It's so transactional. I wish I would have had a doula. I really do. I mean, I had my mother, I had my aunts, but I wish I would have had a doula. Yeah, me too. Me too. But you see in society, they, they kind of demonize that a little bit, right? They do. They do. And, and they're not always welcome in the delivery room. Well, it's they're starting to pop up a little bit more like a lot of other things in culture. It feels like beauty rituals from Korea are being accepted more. Gua sha 
you know, African hair products to make your hair long and silky. So we are going, oh, there's other ways to do things, which thank God. Yeah. Women Yet, of the world. We still have so far to go with motherhood. Look at our country. <laughs> Look at our country. We we have so far to go. And that oh, that all points to the fact that the things that women have been doing for centuries have been criticized, demonized, and diminished. Right. And even just the simplest part of breastfeeding, breastfeeding, yeah. where a woman can keep a baby alive with just her body. The fact that that was something they poo-pooed, well, for white women specifically, because we were, we were already feeding their children yeah. and our own. Totally. Which is such a, a crazy cycle. I, know, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how strong our ancestors had to be. I can't. Can you, oh my God, it makes me, and I'm such a, I get really teary eyed when it comes to our babies, but that we had to push our babies aside yeah, to feed their babies, the people that treated us horrifically, right. hated us, but we used our nutrients and sustenance to keep their, it, it, it's, it's trippy on yeah. every level. So yes, our ancestors were very strong, but the fact that breastfeeding is something that was seemed like ill and it's just now coming around. I love seeing these Instagram posts by different women who are just like, here's my nipple, here's my baby. Right. Like, I'm breastfeeding. Yes. Right. And on the, on the flip side of that, I love to see women who say I'm struggling with it and I have no choice but to do formula or I didn't educate myself properly. And I have to now supplement with formula because I, for example, with me, with Maya, I was being fed so many different stories and so much different information. I had a freezer full of formula and I thought it had gone bad and it wasn't. And I tossed it. And it was because I'm getting all of this information from all these different sources, all medical sources. With different timeframes as to how long breast milk is uh, healthy for the baby. And I, I was one of the, I was, I was a breastfeeding mom, but I was also a formula feeding mom. And I don't see anything wrong with either. There isn't. It's very personal, the decision. And then it's, sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Exactly. Sometimes you don't have a choice. For me, it was like a goal because I wasn't a breastfed child. Mm-hmm. And I always just wanted to, do something different because I think that bond is just something that can't be created, whether it's formula and you're, it, whatever, it, it's a bond where you are just intentional about feeding your baby. And my mom went back to work. So I was on bottles and it wasn't like the mother doing it. So I was just like, I want to be there. And I, and it was hard. It was, I remember the milk not coming out. I remember like swollen and impacted and invert, like all of this stuff. Exactly. It coming when you don't want it to girl and then not coming when you need it to. <laughs> I think for me, if you have trouble, I think we all have different techniques. But for me, I found out that oatmeal with flaxseed mm. was powerful. And when I say I ate a bowl, like a goblet every single morning and I was a fountain. I mean, it's, it's one of the things I never expected to enjoy on such a cellular level but I loved it, loved it. 
And I think it really fortified this connection that we had. We could speak and my child obviously was nonverbal, but I, I, I spoke to her about it the other day. I don't remember when she wasn't speaking to me. Sure, there weren't words, but we always had communication. Our kids, and if you're, you're connected to your children, you always hear them speaking, even when they're a month old. Tell me your journey into, first of all, becoming a mom of one and then a mother of two. <laughs> so a mother of one was just truly not like anything I had heard. I truly thought I was going to go on maternity leave, have my baby with me for 12 weeks since I had a C-section and then go back to work. But once I ended up delivering at 31 weeks, I had four weeks of not having my child with me and taking 4 a.m. trips to the hospital so I could see her or 1 a.m. trips and I couldn't drive. So I had to wake up my husband to take me to see the baby. And I ended up going back to work early while she was in the NICU so I could spend some time with her when she came back. And I worked at a startup, a tech company, and I, they had no maternal policies. I had to pump in a bathroom stall with the Medela pump on the floor, very unsanitary. And I had to advocate for myself. I had to say, my rights are that I get a place where I'm supposed to pump and it's supposed to be sanitary and it can't be a bathroom. Mm -hmm. But it is so hard because there are so many women across the country who have to do that to this day. And I remember how hard I had to fight. And by the time I was finished the fight, my milk had dried. So that was being a mom of one. <laughs> and then with Wes, I ended up delivering a 39-week C-section. And I got to spend the full time with him. And the, the it was just night and day. Like to have all of those weeks and to bond, as you said, and to be able to communicate without communicating verbally. Like, we had our routine of his nap time being Sade music. And when he went to bed, it's Sade music. So to this day, when he hears that music, it calms him. And I don't have any of that with Maya because I had to be go, 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 you know? So you've had both sides of it. And we obviously can't say that there's a favorite. Each child receives their connection with you. Whatever's meant to be, it's meant to be. And they will, they will adjust, Right. My daughter's the same way. I started like patting her to burp her, but doing it pretty like a drum, like pretty, you know, and she loves the feeling of that to this day. It's like, do that again, because it's like, it's whatever that beat is. It's just, it's so it's you, it's your beat. It's your hand connecting with her. Yeah. So tell me how old your kids were when you were like, you know what? I understand how hard it was for me because we don't know what we're doing. We're literally one foot in front of the other, creating our existence, creating what works for us each step along the way. Why did you want to write mom AF? Oh my God. So I wanted to write the book. It started off. I wanted to show the similarities between me and my grandmother when she was my age. And then it turned into me just realizing that there was no book written by a Black mom about motherhood, especially in a funny way. We have to turn to the girl washer faces and the lean-ins of the world and like the, the, the white mommy bloggers. And that's not always our experience of motherhood. 
And I really wanted to tell our experience as somebody who sometimes feels inferior in the workplace, somebody who is dealing with raising a Black son in America, somebody who's been told, oh, you need to comb your daughter's hair. Very Beyonce things we've all experienced, right? Like your daughter shouldn't have wild hair. You need to perm her hair. All of that, all of those different kinds of things, feeling less than, trying to carry on generational habits, but break curses at the same time. And I told my daughter that I was going to write the book and it was, it, I, she hasn't read it yet. She knows it's full of cuss words. My son hasn't read it either, but they know the theme of it. And my ex-husband obviously deals with alcohol addiction in the book and that's real life. But he wanted me to tell his story because he wanted the honest truth out there and for hopefully other married couples to be able to benefit from it. So I will eventually let them read Mom AF. I'm going to write a sequel that's going to be about dating as a single mom. I won't let her read that until she's much, much older. But they're very, they're very proud and they're very aware of it. Well, yeah. it sounds like we have another episode down the road with dating oh, love as a single mom because <laughs> those waters are treacherous, Mamacita. Oh, because... my God. Oh, <laughs> that, I, I mean, I, we just need to put a pin in it because we will get We'll get caught up. That'll be a whole nother day's worth. Right. Let me write that note for myself right (laughs) now because it is no joke. I literally am like, hold on. I always say it is so ghetto. Like I might as well stay home and watch my Star Trek and be with my kids because I would rather be with my kids than deal with dating. And I... I haven't dated since the early 2000s. Like I've been married for a really long time. Dating as a single mom. It's an episode. So you were married for how, I mean, not to get all the way in your business, but when did you, when did you guys go from in the same house, married to co-parenting? So we went from in the house, we were married technically for nine years and we were together for 13 years. The thing about the substance addiction is it turns, if you know anybody who's battled with it, it really turns you into a different person. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So we've been going through it a bit for like a year. And I've been having come to Jesus conversations like you are, you're bringing me down. And I don't mean professionally. I mean, emotionally. I mean, you're making me a bad mother. I'm pacifying you and neglecting the kids. So there was like one incident where I was like, if we can't overcome this, like if you don't get better, then I have to leave you. He didn't. On a, on a Wednesday, I told him I was leaving. I'm so, Excuse me, on a Saturday, I told him I was leaving him. On a Wednesday, we were in our new three-bedroom apartment. Like I don't play. I don't play. I'm not going to put my kids in a, un, a unfortunate and just uncomfortable situation. So I tried to minimize that as fast as I could. And what a blessing that you were able to. It's yes. And it was through family, through God and family, because my aunt and my father and my brother and my cousins helped me move. What was that decision like to finally stand on it? Because we, I think there's so many women that are like, I'm going to leave this move. I'm going to leave. And it's, and it's, and then it's like, oh, but my kids won't grow up with their dad. And then they'll, it's all of that, which is so big. How did you circumvent that or hurdle that to get to the place where you're like, I'm done? I'm going to tell you, the devil you know is, is better than the devil you don't. And I thought about all of those things. I was so successful. I made almost as much money as my husband. He was a CPA. 
I knew that I made a good amount of money, I, but I still felt like I can't take care of these kids on my own financially. I can't do it emotionally. I've never even gone to dinner by myself. How am I going to live a whole life by myself? And it really was the devil, you know, being worse than the devil you don't. And a lot of women ask me that and they'll say, they'll tell me their relationship issues. And I'm like, I can't tell you when to leave your husband. Only, you know, and it was in a moment, in that moment when he could not bring himself to want to be better and still wanted me to pacify him. I said, this is my moment. And afterwards, did I cry myself to sleep like for a month? Every night, every night, the nights were harder than the morning. In the morning, I would be completely fine. I'd be able to go to work. The kids were fine. At night, when I knew I was sleeping by myself, I mean, like, couldn't breathe tears. But I'm very thankful I did it. It was hard, but I did it. Yeah, but there's so many moments along that journey where you could have been like, all right, he said he's better now. Yeah, I'm sure he was coming to you like I got it all together. I'm sure there were a lot of like things luring you back to that comfort. Yeah. Zone. How do you push through mama? How did you get a support group? Did you find another boo? Because, you know, the best <laughs> way to get over the last is a new. I mean, what's that? that's your business, right? That is your business. Some people do that. So the thing about us was prior to us getting married, I married him knowing he had this addiction problem and he told me that he was going to get better. And he was for a long time. But then his depression kicked in with with people with substance abuse. It's never because they love the taste of that stuff. It's because they have depression or something going on. And his depression kicked in again and he couldn't overcome it. So I had gone through all of those years, you know, and I knew how bad it could really be. And I still married him. And when it got bad and we separated, he was in the throes of it. So he never did say, I'm going to get better. He was at that point, just Mr. Hyde. Like he could, he could barely function himself. He could barely find the will. So I really, I had to lean on myself. It wasn't like I could co-parent with him. I couldn't take the kids to him. I couldn't figure out how to handle health benefits and all that. I had to learn all of that on my own, even though I was a grown-ass woman. (laughs) Respect. Thank you. That that is the hardest. And there's the amount of girlfriends that I have who were married and then had to leave that marriage for being just purely unhappy, marrying out of desperation. I'm getting older. I should get married, marrying because they got pregnant, marrying for all these reasons. And then once they got out of it, it was just hell on earth. Mm. Getting out of a marriage ain't easy, y'all. It's not, it's not. But I will tell you, it is absolutely worth it if you are living in your truth and you are happy. You know, it's a different version of happy for me and it's a a happier version. I certainly loved being the Carters and having the Christmas photos and all of that kind of stuff, but I absolutely love the new normal that I've created with my kids and we travel and it's just, it's, I'm exposing them to so much more in life and I am making them more well-rounded by having gone through this experience. So it just, it's better for me. And you know what's crazy? It's funny you say your single girlfriends did that because do you find, or I'm sorry, your married friends, do you find like when I got the separated and divorced, everybody under the sun wanted to tell me how much they hated their husband. Everybody hated their husband. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this. I 
I love my husband. <laughs> I mean, again, another blessing because it seems like you guys parted ways. You both are very clear about why. And it didn't get too messy afterwards. It's just been an emotional sort of separation of we don't work together, even though we love each other. But I have, I have, I had so many, I was in a woman's group where we could discuss being a mother. And so many of them are still in court today, years later, he wants this. And she, I mean, just, oh my gosh. I'm so happy. I didn't have to go through that. It adds to my, I have a little bit of a commitment phobia, a little bit. My parents are still married, but I get that forever, ever, ever, ever. So until I get really settled and my anxiety isn't kicking up and I feel like I can trust this person full stop, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not doing it ever again. I'm not. I'm with you. I have a commitment thing. I can't do it again. I can't. Oh, I can't, I can't sacrifice like everything I've worked hard for and my time and my energy. I can't do it. I love the way my life is right now too much to get married again. So obviously we're, we're beautiful black women. Yes. And we still have <laughs> needs and wants and desires. I know that's the challenge. <laughs> so what's the goal then, sis? Then you have to find a man that lives across the street. Like what is the perfect and no judgment? What is the perfect scenario for you going forward that is going to honor the world that you've created for you and your family today? You know, I'm digging Gwyneth Paltrow's vibes. I like the idea, I don't want to get married, but I like the idea of living in separate homes and having your own lives and then coming together every now and again, as my daughter would say, to do the devil's tango. And then you part ways. Like, I kind of like that, like dating and then you're done. Me too. But here is where I, my mind plays tricks on me. Because for me, I want to go one step further, have a house where there's my wing. There's a center wing with the, where the family has like kitchen and living room TV. And then his wing. And the kids are off the central wing. Like that's, that's next level. But yes, and I love that. And I think I've conducted my relationships that way. But here's where it gets tricky. You do it for about eight, nine months. Everything's great. You see each other when you see each other. And then you go, wait a minute. Why? Do I deserve more? Right. Am I selling myself short by taking only a piece? And that's where it gets tricky. I don't know how to make that go away. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like, when I when I think of the Gwyneth Paltrow situation or doing that, I'm like, at what point do you become so comfortable being apart that you don't need each other? That is, it's tricky. And are you setting yourself up for pure failure? Are you opening so many windows that you're inviting people in indirectly for them, for you? And is that okay? I mean, I'm still trying to understand what love really is. Like outside of marriage and relationships, there's love. That's the most important component. The marriage stuff is on top, right? That's a structure that has been force-fed into us. But what are the true benefits? What were the benefits for you that you still sort of hold a soft spot for? 
Well, so I think that I wasn't able when I got married to separate the idea of love and marriage because I grew up with grandparents who have been together for 65 years Mm -hmm. and they actually died within months of each other because my grandmother literally said she couldn't bear to live without my grandfather. That's what she told me when he passed away. We don't even know what that kind of love we don't. And what it is, and what I've come to realize is that because they weren't perfect either, but it's about growing with that person. And that's what true love is. And I look at the relationships that I have with my kids and it's all about helping them grow. And I look at the friendships that I've had since I was four years old and we've grown together. And my ex-husband was very complacent and didn't like change. So he wanted to still be the same person that he was in his 20s. And I couldn't see that happening in my 40s and 50s. I wanted to grow. And that to me is love. If you are willing to grow with that person, then that is true love. I mean, your husband is kind of screwing himself. If And I don't mean specifically him. Any man or woman that goes into a relationship wanting it to, this is good right here, and to keep it right there are doing themselves a disservice because quite literally the only thing that's constant is change. And that's the part that scares me about relationships because there's no guarantee you're going to grow at the same pace and you're going to grow in the same direction. Exactly. And Tanika, can I tell you, I had, I was on somebody else's podcast and we were talking about her marriage and how she married a, a very successful sports player, but she was coming into her own and building her own empire. And he was very uncomfortable with that. So she was growing, but he wanted her to stay the housewife that she was, you know? And it goes back to exactly what you just said, the, the growing together. So what is she going to do? Is, does she, is she stuck with being who she signed up to be when they got married? That's, you know, he considers that fair. I don't consider that fair because then she is not growing. It's not, but see, this is where we get all the muddy water. Because a lot of us get married going, but it'll be better when we get married. Nope. When you marry that person, that means at that moment in time, you are committing to the universe that you are perfectly content with that person, the way that they are in that moment, right? And with the door open for evolution. Mm -hmm. It's so complicated, but that's why I've never done it. That's why I've run two and a half times because I don't get the sense of comfort that even though I'm, I might be, and this is back when I was engaged, I was on TV every day. I'm not going to always be on TV. This TV person is not all of who I am. Right. If right. you fall in love with TV, Tanika, you're not falling in love with me. I am a billion other things. We have to be really clear of what we're looking for. And I don't think in society we're taught what we're really supposed to be looking for. Sure, a guy that has potential to make money or a guy that's making money that can offer you security and offer you safety. There's something no, our, my mom never talked about was being in a relationship and feeling safe. Yeah. Oh God, I know. And then not only that, but we just live in a world where now everything is like this. So you have this algorithm of who you're looking for personally, from from my mouth to his ears, Idris Elba, I am waiting for you to get a divorce because you are exactly who I'm looking for. The shade, the shade. You are I am waiting. waiting. Like he is my perfect man. But that's the thing. 
Like, so when I thought I was, when I was first divorced and I was like, okay, I'm going to hop on, I'm going to find somebody just like him. I'm going to be on Bumble and everything. And no, not so much, but that's what the guys are doing too. Like they're looking for this exact algorithm. You know, I think about my mom who's been married three times and this last marriage of hers, they've been married two years, but they were together. uh, I want to say about 15 years. So they decided to get married at like basically the end. Now they're in their 50s and 60s at this point. And I think that there may be something to that. Like, I don't always like to give my mother credit, but like her husband writes her poems. So, well, she might know something that I don't know. (laughs) I'm just not in a rush because I, I, I just, first of all, I give the big middle finger to societal norms and the pressure to be anything that they say we're supposed to be so that we can be normal or fit in. I just think all women need to look at those constructs, knock them down and be like, now, what do I want? What makes me feel good? And if you are privileged enough, because we have to understand that your ability to leave, my ability to not get married to my baby's father is a privilege. Oh my gosh. To think about what true single moms go through with no options, I will always, and I think in every episode, I talk about how much respect and how much they need to be elevated as queens. It is no joke. Absolutely. 80% of households that have single parents are ran by mothers. We're We're the ones, we're the single parents. I mean, I would like, you know, I think I should on this podcast, I should meet some of the single dads because I'm curious about them. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. What does that look like? Because I, I just know my daughter's father and how he would never survive it. Mm. Would never. My poor daughter would be in the streets, girl. But then again, he's never had to. So right. I shouldn't cut him short. If, if there was no other option, that yeah. would be interesting. But I don't know. I'm fascinated by you in so many ways. Thank you. From, <laughs> your book is incredible. Just the, the bravery to step out and be like, Mm-mm. and the fact that you chose in that you didn't discuss it. You didn't mention it, but you do not. One thing you don't want to do is teach your daughter indirectly that she should stay in a situation that. Oh yeah. Oh God. That's the biggest thing. That's, that is why I want her to read it one day. Absolutely. And I do want her to read the second book about dating because my mother, I grew up in a household, like you were saying, where you were told everything to do. I grew up, everything is nasty. Sexuality is nasty. And we're not going to have the sex talk. And I'm still waiting for the sex talk to this day. And you see these two kids behind me, right? And I jumped into marriage, right? Because I saw my grandparents get married early. My mother had me at 23. She married my father at 22. I always thought that's what you did. And no one talked to me about relationships and sexuality and all of that. And that is what I hope that the second one will teach my daughter, because I don't I want to be like, before you get married, maybe you should read this, you know, like maybe you should explore what's going on with you. I tell women all the time. I have young girls that call me. I just had one the other day who found out she was pregnant and I was like, okay, I need you to mentally get there. Like, let's discuss all the things you really need to so you can get past 
the shock and the horror right. of it all. Like right. these books are great, but it's not this, oh my God, it's so beautiful. We get to do it onesies. And not for everyone. Right. It's just not. Let's get down to the nitty. And maybe it's women of color, maybe specifically. And like you said, we need our own doctrines that speak to us in a reflective way. That's not so everything is wonderful because it's intense. There's a lot of just misinformation out there. There's the whole abortion discussion going on right now. And a lot of people have this misconception that people who get abortions are like teenagers who have no other choices and are living in foster care or don't have family. And that's not true. A lot of times it's mothers who are living below the poverty line. It might be women who are married with, you know, other children. So it's just, it's not what everybody thinks stereotypically. It's not always fabulous for everybody to have a child. No. What I do to calm myself down is my edibles. And my daughter knows that. She knows it. She knows when I need my coffee. She knows when I need my edibles. I'm not one of those people hanging from the ceiling after I have them. She knows I'm going to be in the tub with my bubble bath and my wine and my Sade. And she's like, good. Mommy has right. <laughs> yes. Yes. See, this is a topic too. <laughs> Girl, let me uh, say, look, look, okay? You're just making me think of all <laughs> Because I was looking at a clip from Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle. It was for Glennon's podcast. And Brene was talking, and I love them both. And Brene was saying, you know, I quit drinking. After I quit drinking, there were still things that came up. And I was like, but God, I need something. I need. I need something. And I think we have to stop judging ourselves or whatever that something is. Now, I think, you know, are there things that are a little bit more holistic and natural? Yeah. But um, I'd much rather, I don't know, smoke out of my one hitter than pop some pills that somebody created to make me feel like the benefits of marijuana. Exactly. Totally agree with you. And I struggled with my self-care after I divorced for so long because I was trying to do what other people wanted me to do. Like, I I love yoga, but it just wasn't doing it enough. Or the bubble bath, it just wasn't enough. But once I found edibles from another mother, of course, I was like, this is it. This is what I need. And then I started going to the gun range. And I was like, I'm a thrill seeker. This is what I need for my self-care. Like, this is what makes me feel good. Not what society wants me to be, like with the self-care, but this is what makes me feel good. And I actually went to the doctors recently and I had my medical marijuana card, but she was like, um, I was telling her that I was considering getting it. And she was a new mother herself. And she was like, oh yeah, you're a mom. You got to get it. Like it was was hilarious. Like the doctors now are like, oh yeah, if you're a mother, you need it immediately like do not pass go <laughs> yes, because these children honey 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 test you on <laughs> every level all day every day oh my okay? goodness three things that you have to have at all times in order to mommy your best edibles is one right i was going to say gummies right definitely gummies chai tea and i'll, I'll keep my starbucks with the chai tea and then my tv 
I need those things. Okay, what are those shows, girl? What are the shows? I have high anxiety. So I have to watch things that have already gone off the air. So literally every morning I watch Living Single and I'm watching Friends and Star Trek and Martin. Like I have to know how it ends. And then with the kids, we have probably, we call it movie night, but we do it like three or four nights a week. So we're watching movies together and we love watching like right now, Freeform all day and night long because it's nothing but Christmas movies. And I'm just impressed that you let your kids watch TV during the week. I, that's a hard no for, for me. Is it? Oh no, I'm so old school. I'm like, I did it. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, focus on homework. She has so many extracurriculars. By the time we get home, oh, it's homework, eat, okay. bath, and go to bed. And, and my job, my baby's still going to bed at 8.30. She's seven. Yeah. Well, the kids put me to bed at eight and then they stay up late. I don't care what they do. So they do watch TV late, but they don't have a lot of extracurriculars. I can only imagine. That must be tough. Wait a minute, Christine. I'm not kidding. You go to bed at eight. I am lights out. Get out of my room. This is my time at eight. And they go in their rooms and they decompress and they get ready for bed. And, they and they're always up in the next morning, ready to go to school, all of that. You have to delegate and you have to give them independence or you will be doing that 10 years down the road. I am, my whole body's vibrating. What is <laughs> happening? <laughs> that is such a big part of my night. She so needs me there. And mm-hmm. I don't do baths, none of that, none of it. They cook their own, they make their own breakfast. They're probably upstairs right now getting their like homework together and dinner. Yeah. Because I am teaching them independence. There's no way I would have survived a divorce not teaching my kids independence. I'm obsessed. I, I, I have goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> I can't even imagine what she puts me through in the morning and at night. Just the, she needs me more. She's a cancer baby. She just needs me more. Yeah. It's, Wait, um, what's her birthday? She's a cancer baby. July 2nd. Okay. Mine is June 26th. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. End of June. But they, they want their mommy all the time, honey. They want some love. They want you to express the love. They want to cuddle. It is, and if they don't get it. She will cause a ruckus. I'm just so inspired. Thank you. <laughs> I'm inspired about, I get to go to bed and then they got to fend for themselves and they yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. I'm putting that on my list. You're going to have to walk. You have to. You're to hold my hand, sis. You have to. I'm going to send you the books and like my social and all that and the other moms, but I'm going to send you like delegation because you should be starting it as early as two. Okay. Well, she sleeps with her door closed. So we didn't okay. have to worry about that. I, I did a couple things, but right now it feels like I'm not a toddler, but I'm not yet a big girl. We're in that, that limbo. Who wants to benefit from, you know, babying. But she wants to tell me how much of a big girl she is. We're, we're kind of, we're trying to move that apart. Yeah, that's where, that's where my six-year-old is too. Exactly. And I just give him the, the empowerment to do things. But at the same time, when he does, that's when I give him that, that love that he needs. You're the bomb, Mommy. Thank you. You're the bomb. <laughs> Mama stay, girl. Mama stay. It was a pleasure. See, she's all the things. I was really shocked by a couple things she said, which I love. 
I love when people are, especially moms, are just centered in their authenticity. They are fearless in expressing themselves and unapologetic about all the things that they do to take care of their wellness and their babies. So thank you, Christine, for such an amazing time. And once again, I've added another mommy friend to my list, a mommy friend who I adore. We are building a beautiful collective here. Please reach out to us, write us, DM us on Instagram at Tanika Ray. You can email us, mamastaywithtanikaray at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. I know we are building this community It's so beautiful to see. We are over on Facebook where you might see me post the upcoming moms coming as well as LinkedIn and Instagram. And I'm branching out to see where else that I can um, put the information so I can keep us up to date on who's coming. And trust me, I've got some doozies. Like literally I'm sitting on one person I just interviewed who is going to blow your mind. They all do, but... This woman specifically because she helped me before I had a baby wrap my brain around the kind of mother I wanted to be in a time where I felt so lost. So I am very proud to bring her to the mic. Thank you so much, Christine. And always, as always, thank you, Jenny Media, for producing these shows for me and just holding my hand. I am so grateful. And till next time, this was episode 20. And don't forget, when you do get a chance to click the link in the bio at Instagram or go to Apple Podcasts and check it out or wherever you're listening to my pod, Mama Stay with Tanika Ray. Don't forget, that's a great place to leave a comment, subscribe and rate the pod. We love to hear what you think. This is all about freedom of speech And uh, we're on episode 20. We're excited to be here. All right. I'm really leaving now. Bye. Love you. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift. And you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah and mama stay. Mama stay.